Hello, and welcome to the Writers and Illustrators of the Future podcast. This is John Goodwin, your host. This podcast is dedicated to the aspiring writer and artist, and will provide inspiration and tips from top professionals in the field. If you've been listening to this podcast or are new to it, I thank you very much. I would also appreciate if you took a moment to follow it on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcast. Writers and Illustrators of the Future is one of the longest running writing competitions in the world, now celebrating four decades of providing a helping hand as initially conceived by Owen Hubbard. I also want to let you know that Writers of the Future volumes are available in bookstores throughout the U.S., Canada, the U.K., South Africa, and Australia, as well as through all major online retailers. Today's guest is the Writers and Illustrators of the Future contest director, Joni Labaki. She is the first of several interviews we'll be doing specifically related to the 40th anniversary of the contest. Welcome, Joni. Well, thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, Joni was the very first guest on the podcast when we started this about four years ago. So um, it's only fitting, too, that as we celebrate 40 years, that you're going to be the first guest that I have in that recognition. So in actual fact, how long have you been the contest director? Well, um, in 1995 um, is pretty much when I came on board, let's say, real hands-on. I've, I've been around since the beginning of the contest, right. um, since 1984. Um, I was working in author services. So, you know, at the time I was the receptionist. I remember guests coming in. I remember when Al just first walked in the door. But I wasn't really part of the contest at the time or, or running it. But, of course, obviously, I was helping. I was answering the phones. And I was taking calls from Robert Heinlein and all kinds of wonderful people in this genre. And it was, it was quite exciting. So it was, it was great for me um, to be there at the launch. And it was... Obviously, I considered it a complete and utter honor when um, when I was asked to take over in 1995. So, yeah, Volume 11. That's that's when I that's when I came on, and that's uh, I, I've actually had the the fortune of working with every single one of the uh, coordinating judges of this contest very intimately, um, which we'll get into later. Absolutely. So. We'll get into what it's like now, but what was it like then when you um, when you took over? Like, to, what was the magnitude or scope of the contest at that time? Well, you know, um, the internet was not yet had not yet taken off. That was another five years down the line. So, mm -hmm. you know, it was very interesting. Algis Algis Budries, the very first coordinating judge of the contest, he was going around to conventions quite a bit and promoting the contest. And that was great. We took um, all the different avenues available at the time, which were uh, fanzines. Fanzines were going, and at that time, still obviously, because it was, you know, it was it was really the internet that changed things dramatically, which we'll get to shortly. But mm -hmm. it it's fascinating. Um, we we were just out there on all in in all avenues, which at the time were mainly conventions and the fanzines. Good. That's that's true. And I was, I know with Algis, because he ended up, he was working out of the offices here as well. That's right. As, as the coordinating judge, so um, he himself was a, a a very famous editor and was one of the first ones that actually recognized Stephen King. That's right. As, as an author, so what was, I mean, Algis had a very distinct 
love of L. Ron Hubbard, love of the contest, and love of the legacy that he saw that this contest would provide. Can you talk about that a bit? You know, Al just was such an amazing person. Just as a as a person, he was just um, outstanding. He was charming. Everyone loved him. I I don't ever remember a person not liking Algis Budrys. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He was that kind of guy. Yeah. And he was a brilliant writer. Um, I mean, Rogue Moon, my God, what a story. But anyway, and a brilliant editor, obviously, yes. In fact, he is the person that Stephen King talks about in his book um, on writing, that, hey, this is the guy that actually gave me encouragement. And that's, of course, what this contest is about. And I think that's one of the reasons why Algis was chosen as our first coordinating judge. He had everything going for him. He was he was brilliant. He was a very kind person. And he loved mentoring people. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Um, he knew everybody in the field, too. Everybody knew him. He knew everybody. And he was well-respected by all writers. I mean, there wasn't a person, like I said, that didn't like Algis Budrys. There was nothing to not like about Algis Budrys. He was encouraging, and he was he was also very fun to work with. Yeah, he was just funny, witty, um, and came up with bright ideas and like, hey, well, let's do this. Let's try this. I mean, he was he was open to suggestions. He was open to pretty much anything. It was it was great. He he was actually yeah, quite quite fun to work with. That's great. And yeah. then following Algis, it was um, Kathy. Katie Wentworth. Yeah. Katie Wentworth was one of our winners from volume five. And she she came out of the gate running. She she did well. She had novels out. She was co-writing with Eric Flint. And, you know, she just also had, this is the key thing about our coordinating judges and all of our judges for that matter, mm-hmm. um, is that she cared about people and she loved being a teacher and she loved mentoring. You have to have that innate. I, I want to help others. She was, I mean, she was a teacher. That was her life too. That's right. And she just, she jumped at the chance to be the coordinating judge. It was and and she was perfect for it. She was absolutely perfect. And it was right. uh, I mean, when Katie hit, you know, we, we did, we did have the internet at that point and and we were things were taking off more and we got more and more see here's the interesting thing Katie and I actually sat down one time and we we're like you know what else can we do to encourage people and we came up with just increasing a bit the the, the honorable mentions and the and and we actually created the silver honorable mention category that didn't exist before um, we were sitting down. We were just having one of our little brainstorm sessions. Like, what can we do? How can we? Um, how can we get more people interested in the contest? And it was mm-hmm. like, well, of course, writers love the encouragement. They love to to uh, get feedback too. So we thought, well, okay, well, let's do that. So we created silver honorable mention, and uh, yeah, that was one of the key things that that KD and I um, initiated. And that turned out to be very good because it, it really helps a writer to know, okay, how am I, am I improving? Am I, what's happening with my, with my skill set here? What's going right. on? You know, and even though, I mean, people have asked me forever and they still ask me to this day, you know, can I get a critique? And I go, you know, I'm so sorry. 
we can't critique all the thousands of entries that come in. Um, we just can't. So, um, but, you know, the fact that you did get this acknowledgement is definitely says you've got talent. There's no question you have talent. If, if, if you're getting honorable mentions, silver, and if you're routinely getting that, you can even, I mean, we've even had people uh, get all the way to finalists and then the next quarter they have a reject and they, you know, like they're doing their nut. What did I do wrong? And, you know, it's interesting because I say, you know what, the thing you have to do is just keep on going. Okay. So that one was, that one for some reason didn't click. Well, guess what? All of our judges get rejects too. They don't all get everything they've sent out in their entire career has been accepted with open arms. So that just goes with the territory. And people are starting to get that idea. They, and, and the ones that are really on board with us and are following are, you know, currently, I mean, we have so many avenues to give people information. We've got our online workshop, which is amazing. And then we've got the blog and we've got this podcast, which you have so many people uh, on this podcast. It's incredible. I mean, anybody, uh, I just want to give a shout out for it because literally, boy, you got a question about publishing? Go to this podcast. You'll find the answer somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> we've, yeah. Had, <laughs> we've had so many interviews on this on this platform. It's incredible. But you know, and there's the blog. So and the blog, we have all kinds of former winners going on, giving tips. This is what I do. This is how I do this. This is how I handle this. I mean, we just have everything you need. So um yeah, but KD and I, that that was that was that's what we did. And that was great. Yeah. Now, one thing I'd like to, before we go on to the next courting judge after, after Kathy, mm-hmm. is um, you mentioned the internet. When we first started, we had like, what, four, five, six hundred entries at the beginning when we were going. Very first quarter, yeah. there were 50. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. So, and they're from, from the U.S. And then they grew up probably um, Canada. But it wasn't so much international at that point because right. it was all, there was no internet. Everything was mailed in. Right. What was the impact with the internet and how did that escalate? Because now we've got entries from over 175 countries. That's right. In fact, it's 177 countries. I went through my files to mm. have information so that everybody could get it here in this interview. But yeah, um, that's the thing. 177 countries. My God. And it's 17 countries we've had writer winners from and 40 countries we've had illustrators from. Now, that says a lot right there. That that speaks for itself. I mean, that is how international we are. And that's how well we're known. It's funny because I do have a story about this. I'll never forget. It was, gosh, it was probably the mid-2000s. And I'm sitting there. And I got this entry. It wasn't a winner. It was an entry. And it was from, what? I've never heard of this place before. So I'm having to go. And I went on the internet, which there it was. And I plugged in this name. And oh my God, it's this little island in the middle of the Pacific. I'm like, what? Wow, we are really far reaching. And I that was actually a, a pivotal point for me and my understanding of how far reaching we actually are. Because if somebody on this tiny little island in the middle of the Pacific who happens to have an internet, good, they're on the internet, they're searching, and they found us, which is, by the way, how a lot of people find out about this contest is surfing. They're online surfing, like, oh, contests, they're looking for contests, and boom, we pop up. There we are. 
yeah, we're unavoidable. Everybody knows about us now. Um, but yeah, that's the, so that was really the, the, the point for me when it was like the real eye opener, like, oh my God, here we are. And then, you know, we've been t- uh, keeping notes and records all these years on just how far we are reaching. And it's phenomenal. I mean, there isn't a place on earth. In fact, people write to me, you know, I'm a foreigner. Can I enter? And I go, as long as you live on planet earth, you are eligible to enter this contest. Mm -hmm. And that's really the way it is at this point. Yeah. We've got, um, I think the, the one thing I remember, because I used to help out when I first because I wasn't direct, I was involved with with the publishing trade right, right. Uh, since um, year two of Writers of the Future. So I was involved with, from the publishing, distribution, and manufacturer of Writers of the Future. Right. Not so much the contest side of it. But one thing I noticed when um, starting up Galaxy Press in 2002 and coming over to this building instead of Bridge Publications, which used to be the publisher, we always get these you'd get these big envelopes with the art in it. And I remember for the illustrator contest and um, because then you didn't have, you weren't able to submit art online. You'd have, right. you'd have to make your copies and send them in. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was a real problem. And it was a problem because the adage of the, of the uh, poor starving artists, it's not a joke, you know, and to come up with the money to make the copies and all that postage and then ask for it to be returned and, and providing that return postage, it automatically was a barrier to a lot of artists and some authors too, to be able to submit their story. Cause you there, you also had to make copies of it That's right. and submit it. So um, what was that like then? And, and again, the change of the internet, how that impacted well, I'll tell you right now with the, with the thousands of entries that we get that it would be impossible. <laughs> to do that. There used okay, there was a time that I was in my office and I would have what 15 to 20 bankers boxes worth of paper and we were paying all the postage to mail it to Katie Wentworth to you know cuz she was in Oklahoma Right. Al when Al just was here, yeah. Al just was here. So we didn't have to do that mailing, but Oh my God, I just remember going, in fact, I took a photo once. It was like, <laughs> you know, Holy moly. Look at all these pieces of paper that we have here. Um, so it was it definitely, I, I wouldn't even, it wouldn't even be able to be done at this point if, if we didn't have the internet and we didn't have it and we didn't have the online aspect of it now, because now it's just, pretty much all computer. I still get people. I still, we still have entries that are paper, but then I just scan them. <laughs> I don't mail anything to judges anymore. I just don't even do it. I don't have to right. because it's, it's all digitally done now. I send, I send the stories themselves digitally, even the ones that come in, I scan them so that I can just, you yeah. know, digitally send them. And then uh, same with the art. There are some people that are just diehard. No, I'm mailing it in. I want to mail it in. <laughs> you can imagine they're just mostly older people that mm-hmm. still are, you know, that's what they want to do. Like, hey, I'm not, I'm not going to stop that. I'm not stopping anybody from entering. Um, but do you want to make a plug for using the portal that's existing on I Rise sure of the do. Future? Oh, my goodness. The future to enter because it, yes. it adds so much it does. needless additional work. That's true. 
So here's my big plug. So yeah, I, I implore you all to please use the portal. Guess what? It's so easy. It's very simple. And if you have trouble um, filling out the form and whatever, you can always call me or you can always email me and go, I'm having trouble with this. Um, please. And, and But you have to explain to me what it is going on. Otherwise, I have to write back, tell me exactly what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why sometimes phone calls, which I don't mind, by the way, I love talking to people. Maybe you've noticed I love talking. <laughs> I have no problem talking <laughs> at all. Exactly. I, I love talking to people. Yes, yes. <laughs> but anyway, so, um, yeah, do it. Just And it's right there. It's right on the the home page of our website. You just click on enter the illustrator contest or enter the writer contest. Boom. You, and when you click on that, that page leads you to the rules. That's another plug I want to give. Read the rules, please do read the rules because they are meant to be followed and you will get disqualified if you don't follow those rules. And uh, they're pretty simple. And yeah. The ones that are most cause of being, disqualified are you know from not following rules yeah mainly leaving your name on it that's the biggest one if you leave your name on that manuscript you have to understand something the first of all let's go back to the very beginning and l ron hubbard had very very strong stipulations on some aspects of this contest and one of the main ones is the fact that it's anonymously judged it's very key. It's very important. And the reason why is because he wanted to circumvent the problem of who you know, who you married, or who you paid off. It's not that at all. It's solely based on your talent. It has nothing to do with your gender. It has nothing to do with your race. It has nothing to do with your creed. It has nothing to do with anything except the quality of your story. So you're putting your name on there. First of all, what if a judge, what if you're you're semi-involved in this field and you've met some of our judges at conventions or whatever, you leave your name on there. Well, they're going to know who it is. Well, there you go. No more anonymous here. So that's why we're very strict about not putting your name on the manuscript. And, and don't worry. Judge, and our judges will even. Yeah. Our judges will go, you know what? I know I know who entered this. I know who wrote this, so I can't judge. In fact, I just had that just last week for for um, a grand prize, believe it or not. I had two of my judges were the teacher of one of the first place winners. They're like, sorry, we can't judge. <laughs> we know we're, we're going to know. Even though we don't know the name of her story, we'll recognize her, her style. Yeah. So we're, you know, we can't judge. And that's what happens. It's, it's. Yeah. And, and, Brandon had to recuse himself from judging when Darcy yeah. uh, won her story. He's, I can't judge. I know who this is. That's right. So the, ju the judges take this very seriously as they well. They really do. They absolutely do. And, and rightly so, because they know, and they, they actually understand and they value that. And, you know, a lot of, I get a lot of comments from, from contestants. And that is one of the key things they love about this contest. Wow. It's really based on, on talent alone. It's not you know, an insider job type scenario. It's just not. Right. And you as contest staff and anybody here within the contest That's have right. no say at all on None. judging. I have no say at all. It's so funny because I'll get people who obviously haven't read the rules <laughs> and they'll send me this whole, I am a doctor of blah and I'm a duh and I've been teaching English and, 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 and I'm this and I'm that. So, um, 
here you go. Here's my story. And I'm going, you know what? This makes no difference whatsoever because this, this little write-up that you wrote isn't going to any judge. They're not going to see it. They're not going to know. And they, you know, that's just, yeah, that's just the bottom line. So that's why it's really important. And it's funny because I've heard, I've heard random people in conventions, random writers having nothing to do with this contest, you know, tell people in the audience, you know, read the rules. When you enter a contest, read those rules. They're there for a reason. Yeah. They're not there just to have something to do. Yeah. They're actually there for a reason. So yes. read the rules wherever you're, you know, wherever you're submitting to. If they have rules, follow them yeah. to the T because that's a right there is a very key element. Can you t follow directions? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And one, one another read? thing too, another thing too I've heard that's come up is great stories, but no science fiction or fantasy element. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's really important. And, um, yeah, for the, uh, and it really is a 17,000 word limit. That's correct. It know? sure is. And, you know, here's another thing. Let's say, for example, that, oh, you know, I, I you know, I'm really fantasy or sci-fi is just not my thing, but I, I'm pretty sure I could write them. Go ahead and write one. Hey, we're willing to launch a career. We we don't care what genre. We'll run. We'll launch a career. In fact, mm -hmm. Joe Beverly, yep. gosh, Joe Beverly uh, had more New York Times bestsellers than any winner we've ever had, and she wrote historical romance. That's what she ended up doing. Now she didn't write historical romance to win this contest. She knew better. She was like, okay, see, she had some intelligence. She went, oh, here's a great contest that could launch my career, and she was right. It sure did launch her career. She won every award in that whole field. And she ended up, that's what she wanted to do. She went, mm -hmm. you know, this is really my thing. But she wrote a beautiful fantasy story to win this contest. Gorgeous. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And that just showed her, you know, I I've, I actually also um, know a lot of our entrants that this isn't the only genre they want to write in. Great. We're easy with that. Go for it, but don't submit something here that isn't yeah. because it won't get, yeah, it'll it won't be, get read. It'll yes. be like, you know, this is rejected with comments. Uh, wrong genre. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, we've got a form letter that comes out now. Something's rejected. So they you violate any, any one of these. That's stories. right. That's right. And it's, this is a new, an, actually a fairly new category. And that is rejected with comments and rejected with comments is better than a flat reject. A flat reject is, you know, just keep working on your writing, right? Yeah. Rejected with comments means, oh, you've got talent. You just have a problem in one of the following categories, blah, 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 blah. So for anyone getting rejected with comment, don't don't go cry in the corner at all. Don't do that. At least it, if you do, not for that reason. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right. So now... Um, and just I want to touch on the illustrators too on this. So on yes. the on the illustrator reject, the most common reject on on that because we talked about the writer reject. So is this similar thing of names on their art? Uh, name on the art, um, but not the genre. And the other thing is, is illustration. This is really key. Don't send a bunch of portraits. Don't send us three portraits. That's not an illustration. That's a portrait. Right. Illustration actually is is something that's and what we're looking for in this contest is illustration gets you to want to read a story 
there's some action, there's some element, there's also some, some, some questions that your illustration, like, like, okay, here's a perfect example. You could have a really cool, a really cool looking African person, and they're just standing there in a pose. That's a portrait. Now, if you have an African person and they're reaching out, but you can't see what it is that they're reaching for, and there's some action or element, and the person's reaching for something, and they're, that's, that's an illustration. There's something happened. There's action happening, right? Mm -hmm. There's elements and there's like, oh, what's going on there? See, that's the whole point. Illustration, you're trying to create a mystery and a wonder. Like, what is that? Ooh, that's really cool looking. What's going on there? Well, gosh, I better read that story to find out, huh? Right. Because illustrations mm -hmm. are within a story, which for those of you not familiar with it, um, we have two contests here. We have a writer contest and an illustrator contest. After you have been chosen as a winner, what happens is you're assigned a story to read, one of the winning stories of one of the writers. So what you're looking for and what, what you're doing is you're going, okay, you're reading the story and you're going, what part of this story can I illustrate that will create? Forbidden history, grisly ghosts, monstrous cryptids, and harrowing folklore dominate Japan's history and culture. Mysterious Japan is a bi-weekly podcast presenting these spine-chilling horror stories, urban legends, and unbelievable histories in a campfire story format. Many of these tales have never been presented in English before. Our journey takes place where dark history and supernatural folklore collide. Mysterious Japan is produced, written, and translated by recognized Japan expert Dr. Heath Having. Season 1 relates the unbelievable legends and ghost stories from the so-called suicide forest. Listen to Mysterious Japan for free on Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Learn more at our website at themysteriousjapan.com and be transported by unbelievable stories where the lines between reality and folklore become blurred in the shadowlands of Japan. Once again, that's themysteriousjapan.com. The concept of, I want to read the story. Like if a person sees that image, it makes them want to read it. Like, ooh, what's going on there? That's the big question you're trying to create in an illustration, in mm -hmm. a piece of art. What is happening there? I don't, I see it's beautiful and I see that it's really interesting, but what's going on? I don't know. I've got to find out. I've got to read that story. Right. And that's what illustration is. And that's what it's about. Um, which is like Kelly Freeze was just a brilliant at that. And he was our our first illustrator coordinating judge. Yeah. So we'll get back to Kelly. I just want we've sure. been on this on this digression loop. Now we're coming back now. <laughs> so we finished uh, Katie Wentworth. Now we're gonna move on forward. So when when uh, following Katie, we got Dave uh, Wolverton David Farland. Slash Farland. Yeah, Dave Dave Wolverton, David Farland. Yes, same person. Yeah, Dave Dave was also what was so cool about Dave, he, he was also, he was actually very similar to Algis. Everybody loved Dave. Dave was just a good, you know, just a easygoing, wonderful mentor, uh, wanted to help others. Um, and for those of you who didn't know, a little datum for you is that Dave was our third year grand prize winner. And this truly, this contest truly, truly launched his career. And he wrote Dave Wolverton, uh, because he entered in one with a sci-fi story. Um, Dave Wolverton was his sci-fi pen name. David Farland was his fantasy 
pen name because he wrote both and he wrote both brilliantly. And he had New York Times bestsellers in both genres. And here's another point. You know, Algis Budrys said to me one time, Dave Wolverton, he's going places. And it was very similar to the Stephen King story, you know, like Stephen King. Yeah. The, he recognized talent. Algis was brilliant at recognizing, mm. yeah, that guy's got chops. He's going to make it. Right. Said the same about Dave. That guy's got chops. He's going to make it. That was very key. And and Dave, but as a coordinating judge, I loved Dave. He uh, he was he was brilliant. He was brilliant at his critiques of of the stories as well, uh, because we do give critiques to our semi finalists every single quarter of the contest, and that's ten. We 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 give ten people the a semi finalist nod, and uh, they are the ones that get a critique. And Dave's critiques were just spot on. They were wonderful. Get, I had m wonderful comments from everybody on how great the critique was for them, how it helped them as a writer. Um, Cause you know, writers are wanting those critiques. There's no question. It's, right. it's a very key aspect of everything. Anyway. So that's, that was Dave. And it was, it was, it was delightful to work with him. He was fun. He, again, he was very similar to Al, just witty, fun to, to work with. Um, on top of it and just really, really caring. Uh, yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. One thing about <clears throat> uh, the thing and the critiques and how it helped people, there was that story from Rob Sawyer, how he was given the critique from Algis that gave him what he needed to do to correct one of the short story entries, turn into a novel right. and ended up disqualifying him from the contest as a pro author now. Yeah. And let's talk about Kevin J. Anderson too. Same thing, right? Entering the contest 13 times. Never won because Al just kept critiquing him. You know, do this, do that, do this, do that. Boom. Okay. Ineligible. Yeah. <laughs> so we have launched quite a few careers. And that's another thing I get. I get very excited when we do launch careers, you know, like we'll get guys, you know, Johnny, I've proed out. I can't. And thanks to you guys. I've proed out. I can no longer enter this contest. And that's to me, that's a win too. That's mm -hmm. a, Oh my God, here we are accomplishing what we're accomplishing. Yeah. And a lot of the people I've had as guests on this podcast are past winners who've gone on to very successful careers. But it's also, I've interviewed people who, uh, like I said, proed out and they've either become judges, you know, or they've gone into their own careers and I've, I've interviewed them to find out that, Oh yeah, you know I was. Yeah, I entered the contest. Like you mentioned, I think you mentioned Hugh Howie. No, not yet. Not yet. Okay, we'll get to him. But anyway, he's a, he's a judge. But then when I interview, he says, "Yeah, I entered the contest." And I go, "Whoa, yeah, well, yeah." Brandon Sanderson entered the contest. Yep. You know, it's like there's a lot of people that um, that have done that. Okay, so then we've gone from um, uh, Dave Farland, and now um, our coordinating judge, Jody. Jody Lynn Nye. Again, here we go. I, it, we just have this wonderful way of selecting these marvelous people <laughs> to be the coordinating. Type. Yeah. You know, the pay it forward type. She's, she's marvelous also with her critiques. People love her critiques. Um, yeah. She's a, and she's, you know, Jody is so red. She's amazing. She can go, you know, this story reminds me of, and then she'll mention some novel published in 1969. <laughs> that I've never heard of, you know, you know, I think this is a real, it comes from there. Or she'll go, you know, this writer's from Australia. I can tell this writer's actually from the North. This writer's a Southern. I mean, it's, she's got an uncanny ability 
to figure out where someone is from. I'm not saying she does every single person. No, but she can go, yeah, you know what? I really see the style. So Jody was, Jody's marvelous. She's also very caring and very, uh, the, the, the pay it forward mentality. Oh, she's got yeah. it. She's totally got it. I remember when I first met her and started working with her, this was at DragonCon. She, she teaches the writing, um, yes. track there at, uh, DragonCon and, um, started talking to her and, I read one of her books. Um, I think it was Magic 101. Mm. And um, real fun. She likes humor. She's really good at humor and very upbeat. And one thing that I really liked about her, because both she and Bill Fawcett came to our booth and we talked about it, And I said, I'd like you to be a judge. And they said, okay, I'll we'll go back and talk about it. They came back again at the end of the show. Okay, I'll do it. Bill says, no, I'm just, I'm the guy in the background. You know, I'll just, I'll help you however I can. Jody's, <laughs> Jody's the one there. But the thing about, I guess, all of our judges is that, um, and especially the coordinating judges, they're, they they dig the PG aspect, the PG and G aspect, and you don't need to have the R and X right. storytelling to have a good story. That's and right. that's not what this contest is. It was never that was never the intention by Owen Hubbard, and so in the rules, you know, we don't have, um, you know, there's no uh, extreme violence. There's no um, sex you right. know no sex on the page type thing and right. you know it's totally okay that you know they looked at each other and knew it was right <laughs> as the big hot sex scene <laughs> not quite that g right but nevertheless exactly. we don't need you know the explicit part isn't part of what writers the future is right exactly you don't need that and we sell a lot of books to military who you think oh they just want to have the super violence and the super sex no nope. no they want good stories. Good stories. That's exactly yeah. what we're looking for. So that's, and I'm not making a, a judgment on those types of stories. It's just they're not writers of the future stories. That's correct. That's not what we do, you that's know. Correct. So find your market. And that's an important thing is find your market, know your market that you're wanting to write for, mm -hmm. and then do that because you're going to get unduly rejected if you send the wrong story to a market. Anywhere you go, you're yeah, going to get that it's reject. Not just it's just not you know, with Rise of Futures, any place you send, what do, what do they publish? Submit those kinds of stories. If right. they ask for, you know, if there's a, if there's a story call and they ask for a story that's about red golf balls on a um, blue planet, then you're gonna have to do that because if you write a story about elephants swimming in in the ocean, it's gonna get rejected no matter how good the story is. And right. just like with us. If you write a story that's not science fiction or fantasy, that's R-rated, X-rated, it's just not going to make it, right? You know, no matter how good it is. And you'll get one of those, uh, what'd you call it, the uh, rejects with a comment? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's right. All right. So now, um, so that brings us up to current with our writer judges. Now we've got the illustration. You mentioned Frank Kelly Freeze, who I just an amazing man, just a super talented artist. So let's start with him now as he was the first courting judge for the illustrators of the future. That's right. Kelly. Oh my God. He, he was again, just, I called him the little Santa Claus, right? He was so jolly all the time and very, very small guy, mm -hmm. a very slight guy, but oh my God. I mean, he was just a genius. Seriously. Mm -hmm. His ability to illustrate, I, I gotta say was just Un, unparalleled. The guy was, he, he would, 
morph into a different style almost to, to, to do a, an illustration of a story properly, you know, and, and that was, that was to me, that that's what stood out for me. But also again, I'll never forget. There was, um, we would, we would do, um, our event here at author services back in the early days and, and our awards ceremony and the other and everything else. And we also had a show going on, which was, um, L. Ron Hubbard stories and the neighborhood people used to come by and come to our shows. And one of them happened to be an illustrator. Uh, he lived just up the street here. And I'll never forget one time Frank, Frank uh, Kelly Freeze and his wife, Laura, came to one of our shows and this guy was there. And so I introduced him because I knew this is a neighbor. He's an illustrator, a, you know, aspiring illustrator. And, you know, I, he had he knew that Frank Kelly Freeze was um, connected to us. So I said, hey, and I introduced them. And to watch Kelly talk to this kid and encourage him, and the kid even had some of his art with him. And Kelly sat down and just kind of went, you know, oh, this is great. He he brought up all of his really good points, this guy, and, and the way he, and he suggested, now do this and try this and blah, blah, blah. And I was, I mean, it just melted my heart, mm-hmm. right? Because he really, I mean, he spent a good half an hour with this kid who was a nobody, mm-hmm. just that, you know, hadn't made it, was trying and really wanted to be an illustrator. And Kelly spent literally a half an hour with this kid going over his technique and do this. And, oh, my God, you do this brilliantly. Now try. You know, it was just, it was just, I almost cried. It was just the sweetest thing you've ever seen. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and Kelly's, he was just so into it. You know what I mean? It was just like, we were so focused on this kid. And I was just like, Oh my God, we, you know, this contest is sure in the right hands with, with Frank Kelly freeze. That's a fact. Yeah. I remember one time talking to uh, Frank or Kelly and, um, cause he always wore a jacket and a tie. He was always dressed (laughs) up. And I said, you know, um, why do you, you know, you do, because I'm also a, a suit, you know, I always like wearing a shirt and tie and a jacket. And sometimes people will joke, you know, yeah, he's wearing, he's still wearing a tie. It's midnight, you know? Um, <laughs> and I asked him, why do you do that? And he says, well, to me, it's important. You know, my friends are important to me. So I want to look presentable to them to grant them as much importance as I can. So for me, I want to dress up, you know, to in their presence. And it was, it was a real for him. Um, a granting of of their importance, you That's know, that right. he was trying to do by, by dressing up. And he was, you know, it was in an era of, you know, the beatnik era, and which has now become very commonplace. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, um, for him, he said, no, it, it's important. It's like, it's my way to show respect to the people I'm, whether I'm meeting with him or, or I'm seeing there. And it's just, you know, it's my way of doing that. I said, That's, that was way cool that he did that. And that's that was very real to me. I don't run into that very often at all, right? Anymore at all, at all. And it's um. But somebody asked me like, "Why are you dressed like that?" And they're coming in their like t-shirts, and I said, "Well, this this is an important group here. I'm gonna you know look good for you, like you know." And I'm not trying to intimidate, but they go, "Ah, that's that's really nice of you. Thank you." You know, they <laughs> they feel special. Yeah, but that's what he was trying to do. He's just he really loved people that much. Right. Yeah. All right, so then uh, Kelly passed, and then yep, in two thousand and five. So then Ron and Val Lindon came on, and they again a real pay it forward um, 
totally pay it forward, caring about these kids. And, and, and you know, I got to say it's... And you use that term kids loosely. I do. I Very loosely. I mean, you know, several of these winners have been older than I, but uh, they're kids to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, especially now, not back then, but now, yes. yes yeah. <laughs> Most everybody is, is younger than me at this point, but uh, there we go. Uh, that's beside the point. But yeah, Ron and Val, so they came in and um, did a splendid job all those years. Uh, and, you know, we kept we kept growing and we kept, you know, they'd be out there on the beaten path when they were going places and, uh, you know, promote for us, which is, was marvelous. So then, yeah, so Ron and Val and then um, Echo and Lance Chernick have been on board now for five years. They're, they're also very, very pay it forward. Want to help these guys. Echo's a, a wonderful, wonderful teacher herself and she what she does you see as the coordinating judge what you do is you take the winning illustrators and you go okay good now here's the story i'm going to art direct you and uh, uh, echo is brilliant at art directing uh these winners which is good because it actually is part of the process we are trying to educate these people on the process of how do you work with people? How do you get a job? When you get a job, you're art directed. What do you do? How do you deal with that? And um, of course, it's they're getting the experience now. Mm -hmm. So, and they couldn't be in a, a better person's hands. As as I've been mentioning here, I, I just have to do a shout out to all of our judges. Um, we're we're mentioning by name the coordinating judges, but I'm telling you, every single one of our judges are just marvelous people. And you can find them all at writersofthefuture.com. You can have, there's a tab for writer judges and another tab for illustrator judges. And you can see all the judges past and present with their bios and their photos and a link to their pages, which helps to let you know just to what degree we've got the best of the best. Yeah, we do. I mean, it, you know, it blows people away, literally. I've, I've heard people go on there and comment to me, oh my God, I had no idea. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Oh my God, really? <laughs> they were a judge? Oh my God, yeah. That's correct. Um, and it's, yeah. One of the things, um, especially with the writer judges, it's been a real big point of, um, and it's not that's not way with the illustrated judges, but with the writer judges, that they have a real strong penchant for paying it forward, for wanting to help, wanting to help coach and teach. That's right. Um, it's just, it's a, it's a requirement yeah. for, for them to even be asked to be a judge. That's you know, right. we've had some great people and said, Oh, you should have this person. You should have this person. And I'll have a conversation with them. And it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I think it's great what you're doing here, but I'm not so much into, I don't have time for helping. I don't have time for something. <laughs> that's right. Cool. All right. That's good. And it just gets dropped right there. That's and right. we don't, we don't proceed any further because that's not the kind of person we want as our judge. That's exactly right. It is the it's the total. I mean, it's it's what Elrond Hubbard envisioned in the first place, right? It's like we are launching careers, and the way you do that is through encouragement. You know, mm -hmm. through encouragement, through how can I help you? Um, I mean, that was that was Elrond Hubbard's life helping others. Like, how can I help people? And this uh, this contest is how can I help writers? 
how can, you know, how are illustrators helped here? It's just beyond it's, and that's why there's nothing like it. Right. There's like nothing like this anywhere, not to the extent that we go to, you know, empower people with information and knowledge, Mm -hmm. education, it's education. How do you do this? How do you become a pro? How do you work with people? How do you enter a contest? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I've had several judges also comment to me that um, they really respect Owen Hubbard for having created this contest and continuing to endow it so many years after his demise that, you know, 40 That's years right. and going strong. That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. So now on um, for yourself as the, uh, as the contest director, uh, what have been some of the highlights from your perspective of this, of the contest, either one? Okay. Well, for me, the biggest one, the biggest one for sure is the fact that the contest is achieving what L. Ron Hubbard set out for it to do. It is. Mm-hmm. We are, the, we are, we're doing it. We're doing it on a daily basis. The fact that, you know, we have 16 winners have become New York Times bestsellers with 41 New York Times bestsellers actually that's incredible. I mean, that's phenomenal. What, tell me another contest that has done that. It doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. This is the pinnacle. And, and this is, I think, that w- that's what makes me most proud. And to me, that's the biggest highlight, is that we are literally fulfilling L. Ron Hubbard's vision um, to launch careers. And God, we're doing it from the, oh my God, okay, so these are New York Times bestsellers, but just because you're not a New York Times bestseller does not mean you're not successful. We've had plenty of hundreds of other writers who've gone on with marvelous careers, mm-hmm. had all kinds of things written, published, blah, 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 that, you know, illustrators. We've had like two of these New York Times bestsellers are illustrators, for heaven's sakes. I mean, because they are, they're just out there and they're so big. Actually, three, I should take that back. It's, it's uh, Sean Tan and, and uh and b and b and now kirby fagan i mean just this year folks we've had two new new york times bestsellers just this year <laughs> so it, it it doesn't stop it doesn't stop good it, so any of your other um oh yeah i have more personal things yeah so the other thing that was such a highlight for me was our our acceptance at nasa I had this idea back in at volume 11. Let's go to, let's go to NASA. Wouldn't that be cool? Because Apollo 13 had just come out and it was like this huge movie, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, wouldn't that be really cool? And lo and behold, we get, the, it's like open arms at NASA. What do you guys want? What do you need? Yes, we know about the contest. Of course. What would you like? And literally, I got anything I wanted. I walked into NASA. I'm like, oh, I really love Meatball. Meatball's th- their logo. The NASA logo is called Meatball internally, just in case you didn't know that. So, yeah, I'd like Meatball. Can we use Meatball? Like, can we put that on our, you know, because we're going to have this panel. We're going to do this. And during the event, wouldn't that be really cool? Sure, whatever you want. What else do you want? Well, you know what? Tell me, what's your who's your best astronaut speaker? Oh, Story Musgrave. Oh, great. Can I meet him? Sure, of course. <laughs> I mean, it was like whatever I wanted, I got. It was kind of like, is this really happening? <laughs> <laughs> I was pinching myself the whole time going, this is unreal. <laughs> oh my God. And they were like, yeah, we know absolutely. We know who L. Ron Hubbard is. Absolutely. We know who all your judges are. We read them all. <laughs> That's right. We're all readers. So yes. And so, you know, we did that for three years in a row. We went to NASA three years in a row. 
uh, twice we were twice in Houston and once at Kennedy Space Center. Special guests of a shuttle launch, uh, you know, special tours. I mean, I felt like the Queen of England. It was crazy. Uh, it was it was absolutely like, wow, mm -hmm. this is quite something, right? And so much so, I mean, Story Musgrave loved us so much. He asked me, can I come back? This is like, and so he came back on volume. That was volume 11, by the way, when we released volume 11 was at NASA. Volume 20, Story came back. He's the only person that's been a keynote speaker. And just for those of you who don't know, Story Musgrave was the commander of the space shuttle five times. He was, he's the, the actual guy that fixed the Hubble telescope. Um, yeah, a, quite a revered astronaut, in fact. I remember, I'll never forget when I went to my meeting with him at NASA, I sat down at his desk and we're going over blah, blah, blah. And I said, you know, in the event and blah, 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 explaining to him. And he goes, would you like some other astronauts to come? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So he gets up, he goes, I'll be back in 10. Comes back 10 minutes later. Okay. So I have five astronauts coming to the event with their wives. <laughs> <laughs> they were so excited down there and it was great. So for the next five years, anytime we went up into space, oh, that guy was at my event. Oh, that guy. Oh, yeah, that asset. He was at my event, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. That guy was at, at the Writers of the Future as well. Right? Because we did the event at NASA itself, which was a lot of fun. The, the judges talked about that for years and years and years. It was like, oh, my God, NASA was so much fun. And it was because we were treated like we were we were treated like royalty. And in their eyes, I guess we were, you know, because they're the dreamers. And that's what I realized. You know, Hubbard talked about this, too. You know, sci-fi Sci-fi writers are the dreamers. They're the ones that dream up the ideas. Like, oh, maybe we could do this. Oh, well, let's try this. And hey, and 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 that's the thing. I, I twigged on it. I went, oh, my God. Of course, Ron Hubbard thought of this. He was like, mm -hmm. of course. Yeah, it's like a, a no-brainer, right? Yeah. So I, that blew me away. That totally blew me away. And one of those funniest things, too, is you talk about this thing from the perspective I've talked to like Tim powers and seeing him with Janet Voss or with one of these astronauts. And yeah. they're just kind of like gaga. They're just totally like geek fan, you know, fan, fan geeking out type thing. <laughs> and then the other way you see the astronaut and they're like, oh, Tim powers. Exactly. Whoa. And they're totally fan, you know, fanboying out the other way. Exactly. It's just, it's just funny seeing from the, whichever viewpoint they, they totally, love and respect each other exactly you know. it was it was a, actually it was a match made in heaven it was it was very cool so yeah that i i have to say that's probably of course the first one being Ron hubbard and what we're achieving here and secondly the nasa thing was just like what the hell <laughs> yeah okay good <laughs> so um so what have you observed as significant achievements for the contest in the 40 years of writers and 35 years of illustrators? Well, I, I, we really got to pull it back here to the, um, the products that we've achieved. 16 winners, 41 New York Times bestselling 16 novels. New York Times bestsellers and yep. 41 novels. Yeah. That's right. Um, entries from 177 countries on the planet. That's a lot of encouragement. That's a lot of reach. How about writer winners? 17 countries. We've had writer winners from. Illustrator winners, 40 countries. I mean, this, this, th these, these facts speak for themselves. Mm -hmm. That tells you what you need to know. The, the reach of this contest, um, 
its its significance and its footprint, you know, in the genre. I mean, this this 